Logan Webb had such a dominant stretch for most of last season after a rough couple of months, but then coming into 2022, he hasn't quite been on that same level. So what is the level of concern if there is one, and how can he get back on track and be dominant again? And also, how about Giants third base prospect David VR? So we're going to get to all of your questions on today's mailbag edition of the show. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspic, and on the show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites, Beyond the Box Score, and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. And coming up on today's show, it is a mailbag edition. So without further delay, let's just jump into the questions. Thank you so much to everyone who submitted one on Twitter. I'm not going to be able to get to all of them, but I will save them and do another one soon. So the first couple of questions come from Nico and Rude Boy. Nico says, what seems to be the source of Logan Webb's recent struggles? Uh, His whiff rate has dropped about 30%, which has reduced his strikeout rate and expected batting average. Do batters have him figured out? Are there mechanical issues? And then Rude Boy 223 says, is it time to worry a little bit about Webb? Hasn't really looked like the same player we saw in the second half of last season. What's your opinion on keeping Duggar? Oh, this is a separate question. We'll, we'll possibly get to that one later on as well. But to answer the question about Logan Webb, I think it's appropriate to answer this one now because he is going to pitch tonight in St. Louis and he'll probably, unfortunately for him, have to pitch in Colorado as well at the end of this trip. But so ultimately, let's let's take a look at what is going on. So so the concern is stemming from the fact that he has roughly a league average earned run average. It actually looks pretty good at 3.82, but by uh, park adjusted numbers and just the league average being lower than normal, that's that's roughly a league average number right now. And for me, it's it's also the strikeout rate. Last year on the season, he was able to be at 26 and a half percent. And this year down to 18% so far. Also, the whiff rate and the velocity being down a little bit as well. And the the whiff rate, I don't know exactly what you're looking at, Nico, but I think maybe what you're referring to is the baseball savant number where it's showing his percentile ranking this year for whiff percentage, which is the percentage of swings that are swings and misses, uh, is 43rd percentile in 2022. And last year for the whole season, it was 70th percentile. So that's a 30 point difference. So the actual whiff rate for him this year versus last year, it's not 30%. I mean, it's uh, 28.7% last year was his overall whiff rate and 24.8% this year is his overall whiff rate. So those numbers aren't too far apart. This year, it is more in line with the league average, and last year was a little bit higher. So basically, what I'm seeing from Logan Webb, first of all, 
it's good that we're not hearing any reports of any kind of injury injury and so that to me makes makes me think that it's more of a mechanical issue and I tend to not be so concerned about it we have seen this from him at times in the past and what's going on right now is he doesn't seem to be able to kind of finish off hitters and something I noticed when I was digging through the numbers is that the contact rate on pitches out of the strike zone is much higher than it was last year much higher I'm going to try to find that now as I'm talking about this the Outside the zone contact rate last year was just 54%, and this year it's 66.4%. So basically from half to two-thirds of pitches out of the zone that are swung at, hitters are making contact. And so for me, that's like he hasn't been able to put guys away. And so they're instead like fouling off two-strike pitches out of the strike zone and having grinding at-bats. And what I have seen, frankly, and he's said this as well, is that teams have had a different approach against him where they're not trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark, maybe to the pull side, but instead they're just kind of trying to go the other way. And so he's kind of living in an area where teams, that is a good approach against him because of the way that his ball moves. If you kind of stay inside it and just try to hit it the other way at the same time, I don't think it's sustainable what other teams are doing. Like they're not going to be able to just continue to have success start after start after start doing this and eventually he's going to be able to take control and for me he's just not getting the same finish on his pitches it's not like the pitches are exactly what he wants and this is still happening for me I'm not seeing that kind of ball that appears to be in the zone for the longest time and then darts out of the strike zone whether it's the slider or the changeup. And the fastball just kind of filling up the zone. I just think the command has been a little bit worse than what we've seen in the past. So ultimately, all of that to say, I don't really see anything that has me super concerned. And if this is like concerning Logan Webb, who's been about league average by earned run average, and the peripherals are much better than that, uh, then that's a good thing, right? But certainly I expected it and I still do to an extent. This has changed it a little bit. I would temper back expectations a little bit perhaps but came into the year saying this is a front line starter a Cy Young candidate so far it hasn't quite looked like that but it's a long season and let's also remember that through his first six starts last year I actually pulled this up he had a 5.34 ERA peripherals were much better but a lot of the same stuff was going on the average on balls in play was 375 this year it's three. 51 which is high and that's kind of it right they're making a lot of contact and they're getting a, a a high rate of hits when they put the ball in play and there's a lot of balls in play so it's led to a lot of contact and a lot of hits and yeah I wouldn't expect it to continue for too long the Cardinals are a tough team to strike out and they've got some good right-handed hitters who tend to have that approach like Arenado and Goldschmidt they're more than willing to just kind of shoot balls to right field and that could be an approach they take into tonight's game so st louis it might not be easy colorado coming up it might not be easy but ultimately i think that there's a little bit of concern but i would give it give it another month and let's see where things stand at the end of that so the next question comes is is all about david vr so we're gonna have to save that for just a minute I've got three different questions about Giants third base prospect David VR, who just hit his 11th home run of the season. He's got 11 home runs in 29 games, 
for the Sacramento River Cats. So we're going to talk about him and if he could be coming up soon next. But first, imagine dipping your finger into that plastic tub of birthday cake frosting. That's literally something I have done dozens of times in the past. Well, how about and then opening your eyes and realizing that it was only 150 calories and you got 16 grams of protein out of it. That is what it's like to eat a birthday cake puff from Built. I just received my birthday cake puffs and I've never had anything like it before, except maybe when I was dipping my fingers into that icing. They're available right now, and we can't promise that they'll be there tomorrow, so go get them today at Built.com. All Built puffs are covered in 100% real chocolate. That means that with Built, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy doing it. Go to Built.com to get birthday puffs now. Birthday cake puffs. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, as promised, we're going to talk about David VR and make a quicker run through some other questions as well. So we've got three different questions about David VR. Before we get to them, thanks for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked on Now podcast, recaps of MLB games with analysis from our local experts, taking fans through the season like no other network, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So the next round of questions. Dark Ma Fantasy asks, asks, is David VR an MLB caliber dude? Disclafani Sanantra Mix says, David VR, when? Baseball dude, is David VR legit? How's his defense at third base? So understandably, a lot of questions coming in about David VR, who for the Rivercats has hit 311, 411 on base, 689 slugging. That's really the number that stands out. Comes out to a 377 isolated power, which is the slugging minus the batting average, because as I'm always saying, slugging percentage is not the best indicator of power, because if you have a super high batting average, the slugging is going to rise with batting average. And so it's nice to have a high one because it can either mean you're hitting for a ton of power or you're hitting for decent power with a high average, but the ISO is a better indicator of the actual power itself. So 377 is off the charts, and I mean, it makes sense given that he's hit 11 home runs in 29 games, also has five doubles and one triple. So he's got way more homers than he does other extra base hits in each individual category. But so the question about is he legit? First of all, I must point out the Pacific Coast League is a super hot offensive environment. And so it's kind of like playing in Coors Field, you know, uh, some of these ballparks. And so that being said, he still does have a 167 weighted runs created plus, meaning about 67 points better than the league average or percent percentage points better than the league average in the PCL. So, yeah, I mean, the offense has very much been legit. The strikeout rate is a tad high at 26.6%. That's right at the fringe. Anything higher than that, and we would have concerns because uh, concerns about it translating to the major league level and specifically the strikeout rate translating to the major league level and that it would be too high. So the projection uh, by Steamer is 28.7% strikeout rate. Uh, David VR's walk rate, 11.3%. That is also nice. He is homering on 38% of his fly balls, which is a number that is hard to maintain. And when we look at his career mark in the minor leagues, he's consistently 
about 15%. And so I would expect he's going to stop homering on so many of his fly balls, which is going to drag down the numbers given a larger sample. So you don't want to be totally dependent on that number being crazy high to drive your offense. And so I'd like to see more and see him make some outs on some fly balls and have that number uh, stabilize and see where everything else lands. That being said, there's definitely intrigue here. And I see a guy who could probably come to the major leagues and hit for some power. And in fact, the steamer projection system pegs him for a 198 isolated power in the major leagues. And that's well above average right now. I think league average ISO right now is 137 or something like that. So the steamer projection for VR is a 241 average, a 320 on base, and 439 slugging, a 107 weighted runs created plus. So it's already pegging him for above average offense at the major league level. And projection systems are typically quite conservative with unproven players. So anytime you're a guy who's never played in the majors and you're getting above league average offensive projections, that bodes well for you. And so at the same time, I'm 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 kind of not getting over the moon about David VR. I'm not sure that this this these types of awesome numbers are the ones that look to me like they're necessarily going to translate. In terms of defense, I haven't seen him play a ton of defense, and also he doesn't show up on like Giants top thirty prospects lists, and so I haven't read all that much about him. So I am not the best person to ask about the full scouting report on David VR. What I can tell you, I know that defense was not his strong suit around the time he was drafted. And to have a profile of third base and and some first base as well, you better hit, right? That's the issue is that it's not, they're not uh, premium defensive positions. And so you have to hit. It's like a prerequisite because you're not providing a ton of defensive value. Even if you're a good defensive first baseman, you still have to hit. And so, For that reason and the fact that he's not on the 40-man roster, I don't necessarily see them making a move to call him up or add him to the 40-man unless there's some kind of issue and injury. And they also have guys like Kevin Padlow on the 40-man already who somewhat fit this same profile as a guy who can hit and a guy who plays these less premium positions like third base. And... So yeah, I'm just not necessarily seeing that they're going to give him an opportunity in the upcoming short-term future. And they have other guys possibly ahead of him because they're on the 40-man already. So I don't know. I think there are better people to ask about this, but I can tell you where like the San Francisco Giants, the Major League Club, views their overall roster and how I view them right now, especially with Longoria coming back. I mean, being back and... Tommy LaStella coming back, and they've got Brandon Belt, of course, and Darren Ruff and Wilmer Flores and Vossler's on the 40-man. I just don't don't necessarily see a path for him right now. He is going to be Rule 5 eligible, I believe, this winter, and so they would have to add him to the 40-man or risk losing him in the Rule 5 draft. And so for that reason, he could be, if anything, more of a trade candidate because uh, we saw that. Well, we saw it with Alexander Canario. He had already been added to the 40-man, and he wasn't close to the major leagues or in the Giants' immediate plans, and so he became kind of expendable as part of that Chris Bryant trade. So it could be for a similar reason that David Villar is involved in some kind of deal that more 
uh, that for a player who fits the Giants major league roster even better. So that's kind of my stance on it. I wouldn't kind of hold your breath for an immediate David VR call up, but you never know. So the next question comes from Manny, who asks, what is the likelihood the Giants go after a player like Aaron Judge or Shohei Otani? I believe this team is missing a superstar, and a player like that would probably help sell out the park. So Aaron Judge is a free agent this winter, right? So he's going to reach free agency at the end of the 2022 season. Shohei Otani is at least a couple of years away from that. It's either the the following offseason or two after that. Let me see. I'm pulling it up as we speak. He will reach free agency at the end of the 2023 season. So Judge kind of perhaps headlining all free agents this upcoming winter and Otani the winter after that. And then I believe it's Juan Soto the winter after that. So we will have some superstars reaching free agency in the next few years, each of the next few years at least. Well, you guys always could get extended, but we know Aaron Judge is not getting extended. He set a deadline by opening day and they did not reach a deal. We also heard that the Yankees offered him 200 something million dollars and he turned it down. And so, unfortunately, I don't really see it with Judge because of his age and his size. I just don't know that they view him as a guy who is necessarily going to age all that well if he wants a long-term deal, which it sounds like he does. And I mean long-term because I really wish I had the offer that he turned down from the Yankees pulled up here, but it was, I don't know, seven years, 200 something, 215 million. I'm just kind of trying to remember exactly what it was, but he turned it down. And so what does he want? 12 years, $340 million, Bryce Harper type money. I don't know exactly what he wants, but he's already 30. And so I think a a six-year deal is kind of anything more than that for a guy who's 6'7", 282. I would just start to have some concerns about the long-term durability of such a player. And if he's going to have to become a DH, and if he becomes a DH, it limits his value quite a bit. I must point out, he is an excellent defensive player, or at least he has been historically. I don't know if we're starting to see some decline in that area. I haven't done a deep dive on Aaron Judge super recently, but also want to point out that he uh, is from the area and grew up a Giants fan. So he's one of these superstar players who actually has that perhaps interest in coming to the San Francisco Giants. Like a lot of players don't because of the ballpark and for whatever reason, but he grew up a Giants fan. So Man, when I look at the numbers, though, he is an elite offensive player, and so I think there's going to be interest. I don't, I don't just want to say no way, right? But the fact that he turned down the offer that he did scares me a little bit, and and has me thinking. There's no way the Giants are going to give him, throw everything he wants at him, and best. I think the Yankees made him a pretty decent offer, and the fact that he turned it down is frightening. So coming up next, we'll talk about why. I think that the Giants will ultimately make a move like this. It's just that maybe Aaron Judge isn't the player who's going to get it because of a couple of factors. So we'll get to that. We'll talk about Otani in just a minute. But first, our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Live betting 
and more. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information uh, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. I uh, One of my favorite things from preseason was Carlos Rodon Cy Young odds, and man, have he's a front runner now. So uh, we will continue to talk about various betting opportunities at Bet Online throughout the year. Check out the uh, Locked On Podcast Network on Twitter. We're constantly putting out uh, lots of different things that you can bet on at Bet Online. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay, as promised, I want to finish answering this question about Judge and Otani and get to some more questions as well. So the thing about Judge, it was a $213 million offer over seven years. So I don't see the Giants topping that simply because of the the length. You're talking about a seven-year deal for a guy who will be 31 in year one of the deal. I just, I don't see it unless, I mean, shorter term, but higher average annual value, perhaps, but I just don't see that happening. If we look at Shohei Otani, I think maybe there's more of a possibility there because he will still be young and he's a, he's a different type of player. I mean, he's going to be, uh, I guess he'll be 29 entering that free agency. And I mean, what else can you say about Shohei Otani? First of all, super marketable, of course, as is Aaron Judge. And he can pitch and he can hit. I'm not sure that he's exactly the type of guy either. Like the guy who I keep coming back to is Juan Soto. And Soto is someone who can be potentially traded for in the not too distant future. Like we've talked about how it might not be this trade deadline. It might not be next offseason, but certainly by next trade deadline, he's probably going to be a guy who gets dealt, and it could be sooner. The sooner they do it, the better from the Nationals' perspective in terms of the return they get back. So Soto, this is where it becomes a whole different conversation. Soto is only 23 years old right now, and so by the time he reaches free agency, he's going to be, what, 25, 26 which is the same as Bryce Harper, right? Bryce Harper was 26 when he reached free agency, and that's when the Giants made that 12-year, $310 million offer. So I don't think they're opposed to getting a superstar. They legitimately tried to sign Bryce Harper. I'm always having to tell people, yes, a 12-year, $310 million offer is legitimate, believe it or not. So uh, I think Soto is a guy who may ultimately be the guy or he's just someone to watch and when he becomes available at a potential trade deadline look out for the San Francisco Giants just like maybe the Dodgers did with Mookie Betts in terms of trading for him and then extending him and before ever letting him reach free agency so we shall see he wants 500 million dollars <laughs> so maybe not I don't know I just don't buy the narrative that the Giants are cheap and they're never going to sign a guy like this. It just, the stars have to align. And for some reasons, maybe Judge isn't the guy given age and size and blah, blah, blah. So, but they did try to sign Harper. Anyway, next next question comes from John, who says, will Brandon Belt be a giant in 2023? I want to say yes. I mean, as long as he keeps going out there and producing, they love the player, right? They They rave about Brandon Belt and his approach, which by the way, how correct have they proved to be and there that it was ever a question 
seems insane, right? There was the belt wars and all that, but the more Brandon Belt has been embraced and the more that they've allowed him to be himself and don't care if he takes a called third strike because they understand, like that's the approach they want their whole team to take. I remember back when I was podcasting for Covecast, my little independent podcast, I always would say like, because I was fighting with my co-host about the merits of Brandon Belt and would always say a team of eight or nine Brandon Belts in the lineup would be a super productive lineup. And that's kind of what they've done to an extent, patient at bats. And I mean, I'm getting, I realize I'm getting off topic here. The question is, will he be a giant in 2023? I think the answer is yes. Although he will have a little bit more freedom. Potentially this year, he was slapped with the qualifying offer, which became a decision. Does he just accept it? Uh, If he didn't accept it, then he would have draft pick compensation tied to his free agency, which is a drag on free agency. And this year they can't do that again. And so he will have more freedom and he will really be able to test the market a little bit more and maybe get a multi-year deal. But I think he loves it here. believe he has a home here, lives here full-time, maybe not full-time, but certainly during the year, of course. And I think he wants to be a giant for life as does Brandon Crawford. And so, and Crawford's already signed for one more year. Perhaps Belt is a guy that they could extend mid-season if he's having another strong year just to lock him up for one more year. I don't necessarily think they're going to go multi-year deal for Brandon Belt given his age and uh, injury history, but I do think they'll want him back as long as he's as long as he continues to produce and so far we've seen that he's been able to continue to produce in 2022. Last question comes from the captain who says, "Would you rather have uh, who would you rather have starting Bart or Casali?" And I just must say, I think they're doing fine with splitting the job. I think that for for me, like 50-50 is kind of fine with maybe a tilt towards whoever's playing better, and that's what they've done. And there's also a question about if we look at statistics, Bart has been a league average hitter by weighted runs created plus. Is there any data on how he's doing defensively? And uh, yes, although it's it's hard to necessarily quantify all the different things that catchers do defensively. Framing is, I think, the most important thing, believe it or not, because every single pitch is affected by framing. And both Bart and Casali have rated as above average defenders. And Bart has the prospect pedigree and has ceiling and has power. Casali is a little bit more reliable and you know what you're going to get. Neither is necessarily going to be a great offensive player, but each of them can be good offensively at times. And Bart, I think, has a higher ceiling there, but also a lower floor. And so I think you got to continue to play him and just see if he can figure it out some. But also, sometimes you need that stability and Casale and pitchers love throwing to him. I think Bart has generally done a good job defensively. And the offense has been really weird. Some great, I mean, some very good, like the walks and the patience has been much better. And then some atrocious, like the swing and miss and the strikeouts. So anyway, I think they've done fine at the position overall, believe it or not. That's just how it is at the catcher position in Major League Baseball. Anyway, that is all the time we have for today. A lot of other questions I wanted to get to. I'm sorry I couldn't get to them all, but I will save them for a future mailbag. Thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen. For your next listen, uh, check out the Locked on MLB podcast. Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues past and present. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Coming up on Monday, we'll have the latest 
Uh, the Giants will have played this whole series in St. Louis, and we'll talk about everything that went down and get you set for the Colorado Rockies again in Coors Field this time. So once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. Check me out on Twitter at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great weekend. As always, stay locked on Giants.